fly list. No fly list. As far as the no fly list, no fly list, no fly list. If you're on that list, 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 list. The most problematic thing is, is that any, any, anyone can be under the investigation of the FBI. FBI, FBI. FBI. And I know that something really good is going to come out of all of this. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the No Fly List where we talk to comedians, artists, and other interesting people of color. I'm Ethir. I'm a mama. And today we had an amazing guest. I know I say that every week, but like this woman seriously blows me away and continues to blow me away by the amount of amazing things that she continues to succeed at in life. She's a comedian, a lawyer, a storyteller, a mom. Uh, she's a great advice giver, a marriage <laughs> uh, matchmaker, retired marriage matchmaker, now turned marriage counselor, not counselor, Mar- but advice yeah. giver. But yeah, consultant, consultant. Yes, that's the yes. term consultant. <laughs> uh, yes. And she's I mean, we've toured together. Her name is Yasmin Al-Hadi. And I put an extra Arab twist on it there. And also, how crazy that um, me and Yasmin also grew up together in Alabama, which so I don't know. She's that's yeah, that that's is nuts. really crazy. And then you didn't even know. Were you guys like an hour apart? That's yeah, we said. were like an hour apart. And then we didn't know till we were on a random show together. That's amazing. I love I love connections like that. Those are yeah. my favorite. Because Alabama. Yeah. How many Arabs are in Alabama? <laughs> I'm like, how do we not know you? <laughs> <laughs> no, this was such a great episode. She was. Like, she gave so like much my amazing advice. Like, yeah, I I think my favorite. Um, she like talks about getting into patterns with certain types of like men and relationships and like actively understanding yourself to break those patterns. And I was like, okay, this is my new goal. (laughs) This is exactly what I need to do. Oh yeah. And she actually is writing a marriage or like relationship workbook to talk about all of these important things. And she talks about what are the most like important, like core components of things that you want to find in a, in a, match I guess or in a mate because you might love somebody but let's be real like the number of people that love each other they're not all meant to be together just because you love someone and even like speaking from my own personal experiences not everyone you love is like the right match for you oh absolutely yeah and she was so vulnerable also talking about like her um, first uh, marriage and like she had like a toxic relationship that ended in divorce and how like now she's like in a much healthier place and that gives me hope (laughs) It, it no it, i think it, this episode um definitely should give everyone hope just because it's like it's more of like breaking your existing patterns and understanding yourself and just like the work that you put into just bettering yourself really does help in terms of any relationship friendships uh, family and like romantic ones i don't even want to like just say it's romantic like just for any literally any relationship so go to therapy. <laughs> go to therapy. Yes. Yes. Because it's usually the people who go to therapy is because other people in their lives that haven't gone. Right. And yes. that's why 
we're all dealing with you other people not in therapy so go to therapy so we can both work on our issues yes look I am I've been um I'll be honest I've been so down and like depressed the last few weeks and I always just like like become really secluded but my therapist and I have had to like work on stuff and I talk to her every week and it is it helps me out so much because it's the only thing where I can like let out all these things that I feel that might even be irrational but someone out there is like okay right and then at least not feel like you're being judged or, you know, it's going to get out to other people. <laughs> <laughs> Which should never happen if you have the right therapist. <laughs> yeah, yeah, if you or have friends. the right therapist uh, who abides by their licensing. Um, yeah, <laughs> and friends. <laughs> and friends. I think this time of year, too, is especially hard. It makes sense to be down. We've got, like, seasonal depression, regular depression. Uh, I mean, depression. yeah, regular is always just there. But then you got the seasonal pandemic, yeah. like, you know, uh, the Capitol being yeah, raided. Yeah. What the fuck? <laughs> what the fuck is happening in the world right now? It's Everything is a little weird, but I do. I don't know what it is. I do have a lot of hope. Um, I think yeah. the vaccine's coming out, like... Um, there are like good things happening I think for me at least right now it's just a I have so much anxiety and everyone has so much PTSD <laughs> from this past year where like s 10 to 15 bad things are happening per day that like it's good to rest it's good to recharge um, and definitely like I think this episode made me feel like I was recharging in a way by just listening to her she's that amazing me too she's so wonderful at giving such thoughtful um, advice and I think you know she has so much to offer that we can all learn from in all relationships like you said um, but before we get to all that beautiful stuff let's talk about our first segment the no fly list no fly list so this is a segment where we talk about people who actually belong to the no fly list our shit list if you will and I feel like there's a couple now that we mentioned the capital we have that. to put those people on there. They, they definitely have to be on there. Yeah, they absolutely cannot fly. They need to go to jail so they can't fly. A hundred percent. Yeah, the very least is that they are on a no fly list. Like us. <laughs> like us, exactly. Just by default. That one, yeah. And then a, a more personal one is just people who are close to you talk about you behind your back. And then you find out through other ways. Yeah. You know who you are. I don't like that. I think, you know what? Like, it's normal sometimes to just, like, vent to a friend about another friend. But don't let it. It's just weird when it gets back to you because you're like, wait a minute. No. Right. And we're old, like, now. We shouldn't. We it are. Feels like high school when that type of stuff happens. Exactly. So I feel like those two uh, hold equal weight. People who talk about you behind your back and the people who raided the Capitol. Oh, exactly. Yeah. Both are treasonous <laughs> and betrayal. Exactly. <laughs> Ex thank you. Thank you. You get it. You yes. Get it. So do not commit treason. With do not the commit treason or to your, your best friends. friends. Or exactly. Exactly. <laughs> but please listen and enjoy our friend Yasmin El Hadi. Yay, we're all here. Welcome, Yasmin. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for uh, having me on the show with two brilliant, smart, intelligent women. Oh, likewise. I've been singing your praises. <laughs> Thank you. 
Thank you. You're my hero. I told you that when I we love were on you. tour. I was like, I, I want to be Yasmin when I grow up. She's doing it all somehow. <laughs> Keeps it together. I don't know how. How are you? Are you human? Are you a robot? Tell me. I don't. I don't sleep. I'll tell you that. I think I'm killing myself slowly. I don't do it well. That's the secret. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> I do everything kind of half-ass some things uh but yeah that's how i wait do. i can't believe you're a lawyer anyone on tour also i wait really with wanted, a newborn I my my with i a newborn. tell you she had a yeah, newborn okay. that we were taking care of <laughs> in the green room bragging. when she was on stage like this is literally, literally superwoman yeah Athir took my baby out of my like little baby bjorn carrier i unstrapped my baby and i was like hey Athir, hold, hold this baby while i go on stage I'll just wait this is yeah. amazing I can never complain again I was like I just sent out an email I'm so sad <laughs> I'm like breastfeeding I'm like this is hard oh I gotta go on stage okay here can you hold this baby yeah, while this I go baby. kill wait, it for 15-20 minutes and make everyone auditorium laugh like that is fucking amazing that everything she's you know top-notch Princeton lawyer. I'm just going to like, you. you know, brag on you. And a comedian and a marriage counselor, no marriage matchmaker counselor. Maybe yeah, next your career, you know, that might be. Yeah. Next... I, yeah. Yeah. I'm like a mar I'm a, I'm a marriage consultant. Con okay. I like it. Ooh. Mm -hmm. What's the, can I ask what a marriage consultant is? Yeah. Uh, it's something I created. She's an auntie. Thin air. She's a professional auntie. I'm, an, <laughs> I'm a professional auntie. Basically I, I match made for so long, uh, for like over a decade, uh, about 13 years before I retired. And I realized that people just didn't know how to act with each other. So now people come out and consult with me when they just need some like real talk about who's wrong and right. Not what like a therapist says or a counselor, which are wonderful, very important people that talk about people's emotional states. They talk about people's background. They talk about people um, not judging one another. You know, I'm not, that's not me. I'm like, you're wrong. You need to act right, you know? And so I come to um, uh, basically kind of consult with them about uh, a, a, a partnership that's maybe failing or under a lot of stress. And I try to call it like it is. And I also help people figure out if they're compatible or not. So I do compatibility testing. Oh, that's so cool. I didn't even know that there is like compatibility. I probably need that. I <laughs> definitely that need I'm that. <laughs> well, I remember asking Yasmin on tour when like my uh, relationship was falling apart and I was like yeah. trying to like, I was like, so how do you know when, you know, you should just, if it's the right person right. or they call it quits right. or whatever. And, yeah. you know, you're, you're so helpful. I remember the other guys and they're like, Athir, are you asking about your fiance, whether you should marry him or not? And I was like, yeah, that should have been a first clue. Someone should <laughs> I love that. Yeah. I feel like guys are kind of straight to the point. They know they're, I feel like they kind of like, they cut through it, but we're like, you know, it's important to understand all the angles, you know, and um, I think also the other thing about guys, though, sometimes, too, is that they'll go for someone that they think is, like, superficially good for them, but not necessarily good for them at, like, a deeper level, and then they figure that out later. I feel like women are kind of the other way around. Like, sometimes we will make compromises for people a lot, and then we realize in the end, like, oh, no, we've, like, compromised ourselves, And, Absolutely. you know, they kind of figure yeah. that out later. Yeah. Well, how did you come to understand like the compatibility piece and all of that? Is that something like you researched or sort of just through experience? Yeah. Yeah. So I researched it. Um, and then I realized kind of, I was trying to reverse engineer my process. Like why did matching work for me? So I've 
matched um 55 couples so far over oh my my, my tenure wow. isn't that crazy that's all yeah, it's crazy and they all you are know, they still it's together pretty, uh, they're still together. Oh it's my gosh, amazing. you got better odds than the millionaire matchmaker. You need your own I TV have, show. <laughs> I know, I need my own TV show. I've been telling Netflix. Um, I, well, I did Muslim um, matchmaker as like a spoof, you know, and I'm doing the second, I'm taping the second installment this month. Oh, I love of that. that. Yeah, just kind of like, and I, I created something called Yazflix, which is like, <laughs> a attempt to um you know give netflix, Your own netflix um, competition a little run for their money but just to show that it's a spoof and uh in the process of researching um i read a lot of um work by anthropologists who had done a lot of research like behind chemistry.com for example which was a very highly like researched dating site um, and I kind of wanted to understand that a little bit better. I read a lot more about people's temperaments, the Enneagram, which actually was um, basically a scaffolding that a lot of Muslim thinkers and scholars added to Galen's Four Humors, the idea of people's um, actual, like, uh, the drivers in their life, in their temperament. And when I read all that, I was like, oh my God, I think I know what I'm doing. And so what I'm working on right now is trying to create a relationship workbook. I actually got off Instagram because this is my job this January oh, wow. to write a relationship um, workbook to help people with the compatibility testing that I kind of referred to. And so people can understand like, here's a little quiz I can take. So I've been in the testing phase of this now for a little over two years. Um, here's this little quiz I can take and I can figure out like what my temperament is. I give them colors like for color theory that I do. It's like um, color hues. And then I can understand what colors actually go with me and which are not so good. Not so good, but I'm naturally attracted to, but they're not so good. I got to put it down. That's the hard part, right? The ones you're drawn to. It's not always the ones you should be with. <laughs> Oof, that's Girl, that is the story of so many people's lives. I think that at least half of the population of people who are like single and, and like dating are going after the same kind of people who are not good for them. So yeah. this is an attempt to kind of break that down and say, like, why am I going for this person? What is it about me that, like, seeks control? Or what is it about me that um, seeks to be adored? What is it about me that seeks to be controlled? You know, like some really deep questions about why we are um, sometimes seeking people that are really not healthy for us um, and are long term actually dangerous even for us. Yeah. And I, I'm like so curious, like uh, what got you into this? Because I, I love I love relationships. I love love. Yeah. And I also hate it. But yes. I mean, like, this it depends. Is like, Ask me. Yeah. On, yeah. It depends on the day. <laughs> because if I was in your line of work, I could not date the trash that I do. <laughs> you know, what really got me um, interested is that I, I had this kind of like overwhelming feeling um, when I met of, uh, this wonderful young woman. And it was like, it was like something like I just felt. I didn't understand it. And I was like, oh, that's my brother's wife. Like, I just knew that that was the woman that was going to marry my brother. And it was weird. I was like, why do I feel like this? And literally that night, I went to her house. She let me spend the night at her house, like the first night I met her. And we're like sitting together. And I'm like, hey, um, I have a brother. And she's like, oh, cool. And I was like, okay, I just wanted to tell you. And then I call my brother. <laughs> and I'm like, hey, sit. His name is And I'm like, Hassan, um, I might have like met your wife. I met your wife. Oh my God. I met your wife. And, he and he's like, don't you think it'd be better if I meet her first? <laughs> I was like, mm, just that's a minor detail. So I just felt like 
uh, like a feeling and I didn't understand it. I now realize what I was doing, you know, is it was something about her temperament that is a perfect fit for this person that I really knew who was my brother. And then I, when I realized I could do it, I was like, maybe I could just keep trying to do this. And I did just over the years. So my first match was in 2007. That was the first time that I, I made a match. And, you know, going through my own uh, relationship troubles, like I got married when I was uh, pretty young. I met my first husband. When I was 23. I got married. Um, there were so many red flags that this guy was so bad for me, but I, I now understand why I was attracted to him because I had very low self-worth, you know, from the outside, I looked very, um, put together. Like I was intelligent. People thought I was confident, but like, I didn't actually love myself. I didn't think I was beautiful. So like basically like the first guy who was like, you're, you're cute. Like (laughs) what's up? And I was like, wait, wait, he has a pulse and like a degree, like a higher degree. It was like, does it like that was it, you know, and I kind of equated those outside markers as meaning that they have good character. And I realized that's not the same thing. And then I got divorced um, and I'm it's still one of the proudest moments of my life other than pushing two babies out of my body. Thank you. Is to be able to walk out of this really abusive marriage. I was married to a Pakistani doctor. He was like you know, it was sort of considered like the holy grail, so to speak, um, in the community. And a Muslim doctor, has... yeah, like you, exactly. you got you you the jackpot. <laughs> right? And I had two weddings. They were, you know, parents had spent a lot of money. I had, it was crazy, right? It was like, what am I doing? You know, I'm starting now from ground zero, having to understand how I could have made a decision like this. And it took a lot of reading. I started reading, um, you know, Gary Chapman's work. I started reading John Gottman's work. I started I reading. I love John Gottman's um, work. Yeah. I've been he's amazing. That, yeah. He's amazing. That's number one for me. He's, he's in my opinion, one of the best scientifically based, research-backed theorists about relationship success and about relationship failure. What's so cool about him is that he does research on both. And I think that that you can do a lot of like groundbreaking work when you're thinking about what actually doesn't work. <laughs> like, okay, what works? I like that. That's good. What doesn't work and what predicts divorces with up to 94% accuracy? That's John Gottman's work. And when I started reading that, I realized like when I was reading his work, I was like, oh, of course I got a divorce. Like all the, all the flags all were the here, signs right? Were he calls there, but- it takes yes. multiple exposures to knowing that you're yes. doing like you have to read a book. So your yes. friends got to tell you, you got to come to yes. realize that you got to do ther- like so many so things kind of have to come together until you realize, oh, shit, I need to get out. This is not salvageable. Yes. Yeah. Yes. You hit it on the head. And I really had really good friends that came and they like made me make a list of all the things that were good about me. Like I felt so kind of hollow and empty at that time that I didn't even know who I was anymore or what was good about me anymore, what was lovable, you know, because I, you know, basically there are people, there are some people who are narcissists and there are some people who are abusers who will go after people who have very low self-worth. And empaths, and they're we nat- talk about that a lot, how narcissists yes. are attracted yeah. to empaths and like, that's what happened to me. Like I'm a big empath and that it's not a fault of our own for like being an empath is a great thing. Being a vulnerable, open, you know, emotional human is a great thing, but unfortunately it does make you a little more susceptible and vulnerable to people who can take advantage of that. Exactly. And Dr. Heller talks about that in her book, why him, why her. It's a fantastic book about why people are attracted to certain types of individuals. And she talks about how people who are naturally, um, 
you know, how we say controlling or um, like want to be in control or want leadership, seek that status. We'll look for people who are, like you just said, empaths, people who, you know, take on a lot, you know, are sensitive, um, follow, tend to want to follow, not necessarily have to lead. And they look for those kinds of people to sort of not always manipulate them, but it can go that way pretty easily if you don't have a good sense of self. So I had that. I had therapy. I had to read books. And I had um, I had to rekindle my relationship with my family. Like a lot of um, abusers will isolate you from all of your friends and family that you love. And that's exactly what my ex did. And he made me stop talking to my family for months on end. He made me lose my friendships. He, he said, oh, I love you. I understand you. Not, not like them, not like those people. And it's like all this like manipulative stuff that unfortunately abusers do because they have such a deep insecurity and a big, big, big fear of abandonment that you'll love someone more than them, that you'll want to go off with them, that you'll somehow learn the truth. Even if it's a non-romantic partner, that's how like crazy and sick and and twisted it is because it's your own family and friends. Yeah. You're so flipping true. That's exactly right, Athea. So it's like this, like isolation. Anybody who's trying to isolate you, like get them out of your life, cut them out of your life. Tactic number one. Yeah, <laughs> literally, it's like it's like literally cult leader stuff. So I just remember like rekindling that relationship. My brother really like saved my life. He came and he drove like six hours to come save me, and he's like, "Don't move." And I remember my ex was like so crazy, like he was so. Um, filled with like um illusions of who he was that he was like I'm leaving you you're not leaving me and I just remember because of my therapy right I was like yeah that's what's happening he's like yeah and I'll let you know when you can come back I was like yeah you do that like it's like he still needed to control the situation and he was like I'm leaving but you're well, be- like I'm kicking you out comes with the narcissism and the grandiose illusions and you got it you got it all these illusions of grandiose you know know. you know and I was gonna say like also like I think at that moment it's like whatever pride or whatever you have it's like no for my safety yeah you're right I just need to get out I'm not yeah exactly and and the statistics are really horrifying like the women and children often often not always because there's some men who are in these kind of relationships as well but the women and children who are leaving the relationship, it's at that moment that is the, they are at the greatest risk of physical violence and retaliation by that abusive partner. So I knew that I just wanted to get out with my life and I just left all my stuff. And I left it all. Wow. And I was so like, I just got to get the hell out of here. He literally drove six hours from Georgia and came to pick me up and from Florida. And I am so thankful to him. He's my best friend and he's somebody that I can't even repay him for what he did. But he's also the guy that you I all, matched. You already did. I was going to say Ooh, you did. One. <laughs> he owes me. <laughs> that is well, so, an incredible story. And then how long did it take you. you to start trusting men again and find your husband now? Because a lot of, like, I yeah. still feel a little, like, kind of, you yes. know, a little scared and sort of gun shy and be like, I don't know who's, that's a terrible, like, analogy. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, I was, like, but done I, with I, men. I was done with marriage. I was like, who cares? Like, I'm never going to get married again. Like, 
guys are trash. Like, I definitely fell, you know, into the very natural. That's a very natural place you. to be. So it's like, what do yes. you do? How do I get out of this trauma and start to evaluate men as individuals, yes. even though a lot of them are garbage? So it's really hard to do that. Right, <laughs> right. And like, how do you find? You know, it's it's self preservation is what it is, and it's a, it's a it's a way to defend se- yourself. It can turn into a defense mechanism that is harmful to you at some point, and so that's why it's important to like talk to a mental health professional professional excuse me talk to your family talk to your friends to make sure you have a sanity check and always it's always good to have like a wise couple that you know like a couple that's been married for at least five years you know um, 10 years that someone that you can at least like maybe look up to I call it role model couples but it took me about um two years to get right and so I was with him for almost three years and it took me two years to get right and I will just say that a lot of mental health professionals that do work in this area say that you take the length of your relationship and you split it in half. Yeah, I've heard that too. Yeah. And they say that's the minimum amount of time that you need to heal. And, Mm. you know, um, I, I think that that's right. I needed a little bit more time. Um, my, my current husband (laughs) tried to marry me so many times and I was like, no, (laughs) no. I was like running I love that he kept coming back and asking you. I can't believe it until he was like, can I get your parents' number? Because that's cool. Let me ask them. They might be on board. (laughs) Literally, he was like, I think you might be confused. And I was like, what? You want my parents' number? You're that committed? Okay. You know, it was like that. It was kind of. Where did you meet him? It's a funny story. It's a funny story how I met him. So, okay, so I'm like getting out of this divorce. I'm trying to rebuild my life. And I'm applying to so many jobs because I knew I needed to get out of the South. I was like, I need to get out of Florida. Um, I had, you know, gr- grown oh, up in yeah, Alabama. Yes, me and I, was and like, I both grew up in Alabama about an hour and a half oh, apart yeah. from each other. <laughs> literally, literally. We didn't know each other, which is Till so we met sad. on a show in Texas and Houston. <laughs> we, the, the, the yeah. South yeah, is just we put it together. together. She was, She was like... Well, I, I remember I met you in Chicago, though, if you remember, and you were saying you were from yeah, from Alabama that's true. before. Yes, yes. The, before that, but me and you really got to know each other in, in Houston, like yeah. you said, when and we then first on tour um, together, on tour. and then I got to know your babies and all that. Yes, yes, <laughs> and they love they love it there, and I, I just I just remember like I need to get out of the South. I need to get out of the South, so I applied to a hundred. No, I tried to apply a hundred jobs, and then I was complaining, and my mom was like, "Stop complaining, you're a survivor," and I was like, "Okay." Okay, so I applied to 150 more jobs, you guys. 250 wow. jobs. I got three interviews, and I only got one job. Wow. And where was that job? That job just so happened to be down the street from where my future husband was going to be. So I got a job, and it was right next to a place called, are you guys ready for this? The Church of the Epiphany. Ooh, that's oh appropriate. Yeah, very right? <laughs> foreshadowing. Crazy. So foreshadowing muslims rented out this church to pray in and they would just like take a sheet and they would just try to cover the cross it was like you can't we're all in a church right so anyway (laughs) like let's just cover jesus yeah yeah let's cover this part because we don't believe just a little bit exactly sorry that i'm 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 all shaky with my with my uh with my video okay i hope you can still see my beautiful face so anyways so okay so anyway so like i go to this church the epiphany and it just so happened so i saw I saw my uh, now husband um, like at the food court that was attached to my building before, but I thought 
this guy's not Muslim. I really thought he was Latino. Like, I was like, oh, he's just like a nice guy. He's cute. Like, I just, I like, I did see him from far away. I was like, oh, that guy's kind of attractive. Um, and he held the door open for me. So that's why I was kind of like, you know, but he was talking Spanish to one of his coworkers. It's because my husband is fluent in Spanish. He just happens to be Afghan. And I didn't know that oh um, until, it's crazy. He was like talking, to, and I was like, oh, this guy's like Latino. Like, what a nice guy. And then he goes, salam to me another time and I was like okay that's cute like, did you go. just learn like, an Arabic word yeah, exactly yeah, like I'm like okay like you just learned a little bit of Arabic you're adorable like you're not gonna get with me whatever or like or you know yeah, I'm just yeah. kind of like I, I'm not gonna like give you the time of day type thing not you're yeah. gonna get with me it's not like he was trying to get with me by saying salam but <laughs> then we're like at this church and my old law school classmate was working for the federal government and he was like hey i'm here for a training he lives in california he's like hey i'm here for a training do you know my brother-in-law and he points to this guy what and he's like i'm like what and they're like hider i'm like no his name is alejandro like his name is not i'm like that's gotta be it's juan carlos right and they're like no 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 his name is hider and i was like pretending like i had never seen him before or never thought he was cute um and that's how we met and so then he he would like you know try to talk to me or whatever after prayer sometimes and this point we just prayed Juma together and he would try to talk to me after prayer he was like hey do you want to go to this do you want to go to that do you want to have coffee and I was like no I'm busy you know whatever um until one time he was like no really like I really want you to come come to this program it was an ISNA program oh and I was like okay I'll come to your little ISNA program and he was like can I get your contact information and I, I handed him my business card Oh, my God. And to this day, he's like, do you remember when you carded me? That was messed up. <laughs> that was definitely was a like, friend zone move. Exactly. He was like, I was trying to, like, get you to, like, have coffee. And then I told you about this, like, ISNO program. And you were like, oh, because I, t- I was thinking, oh, neutral program. It's I'm not Muslim, going out with right, him. It's a Muslim event. It's a big Muslim event. And, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. So ISNO is the Islamic Society of North America conference. And it just so happened it was in D.C. that year. Um, and he, and I thought, oh, this is like an open space, you know, no pressure type thing. And when I went there, it was like all these girls like hovering around him, like talking to him. And I was like, okay, you know, he's cute guys. I know he's not shoulders, but like, (laughs) back up, back up ladies. But I didn't even like, I didn't even want to like, I wasn't even trying to deal with that smoke. So I was like from far away and I left. Right. Well, it just so happened that what, because I did that, he, like, saw me going down the metro one day and was like, yes, me, yes, me, like, down the metro. And I'm, like, on the phone my mom. I'm like, hey, mom. She's like, is there someone yelling yes, me at you down the escalator? And I'm like, um, maybe. I'll call you back. And he, like, gets to the bottom of the escalator. He's like, hey. I'm like, hey. He's like, I saw you at the event. I'm like, yeah, you were busy. Oh, wow. <laughs> so you didn't even say hi and to him like, at the event or nothing? Literally, I was like from far away yeah. you know because there were just too many girls yeah, yeah. so anyways he that's was like me all the time i'm always just like bye and then i leave it's, just, I it's awkward sure yeah I'm it's awkward. yeah i'm like yeah. why am i trying to like you know you know like I engage you. with this yeah, guy right now be forward or go over and like what tap his shoulder excuse me um hi yeah like hey guys hey it's girl like yeah. no exactly i'm not exactly i wasn't like trying to get his rose so <laughs> so like uh he he tells me he's like hey like I emailed you I'm like no you didn't he's like yes I did and I'm like no you didn't he's like remember the uh the business card that you gave me yeah yeah I I emailed the email there it's probably in your junk mail and I was like oh yeah oh no yeah I felt bad so I felt bad so he's like could I get your personal 
email maybe? And I was like, yeah, sure. So I gave him my personal email and like, I got an email within 30 minutes and it was like, I just really want to apologize for like screaming your name down the Metro. Aww. That was like, I had, that was like not good edub, which means like etiquette. it wasn't good manners. Yeah. yeah. It wasn't good etiquette. I wanted you to know that like, I just want to grab coffee with you. And I was like, okay, Aww. this is a nice guy. <laughs> and that's how it, that's how it all began, man. But I, I said no so many times. I went online. I was like talking to other guys. I was just like kind of a mess because I think, again, like when you are um, hurt really badly, it's hard to know what's good for you. It's hard to trust um, your I own think... feelings and emotions yes. again once you've like gone down yes. the road with someone so horrible for you and right. so toxic right. that to even rebuild that trust in yourself and your own intuition, even though I, I know now, like, I don't know if you feel this way, Yasmin, and I'm all like, we always have our intuition. It's just when we ignore it, that's what happens. It's yes. a danger of ignoring it, but it's there. It's 100% your gut feeling. You just got to tap into it. And that person, when mm -hmm. they're toxic, they kind of remove you, not just from other people, but they remove you from yourself. So they isolate you from oh, yourself. Oh, so beautifully said. I, it's yeah, so beautifully articulated. Like, Exactly. And I, and I think like that's something that I've been even working on in therapy because it's like when the, you, you're, you're like away from yourself, like there's moments where I was like, was I even like the worst person in the world too? Because I was like engaging in like the same habits because you get used to it. Right. You're like this is normal. Right. This is how we fight. And this is like, like a normal thing to like happen in all relationships, which is now why I'm like, dating around i don't right. i'm like terrified right. of it has been four years but i'm still terrified of falling like, in with the wrong being, person again it's scary yeah yeah and i think um trusting yourself is the key um what you said ethere and and i'm like that's normal too like especially when you're working through it all and I'm happy that you're going to therapy and I'm happy that, you know, and, and that should be something that we should all be doing Definitely. because there's so many things that we have to learn and unlearn about ourselves. And it's, it, there could only be good that comes from that, you know, and, yes. and in understanding better why we make the choices that we do. And I, I just, I think that like trusting yourself is a journey. Mm -hmm. That's a really big journey. And I think especially when someone has violated that space and you, and has made you feel like you can't trust yourself, it's even harder Absolutely. So like, yeah. you know, to be comfortable in your own skin, to feel like I'm making a decision that's the best that I can possibly make with the facts at hand, with the situation at hand and with my intuition, mm -hmm. I think that that for me is like the key to happiness in your thirties. Like yeah. That's it. You know, like learning that I'm, I'm, only, I'm only like looking forward to aging and, um, you know, I'm 35 now and I, I'm looking forward to like being 40 and like having it more maybe figured out. But I just think that your thirties are all about like trying to tap into that intuition, not ignoring that voice. And yeah. I do think that that becomes stronger with a lot of like self-investment. So part of that is going to therapy that really helped me. But honestly, a lots of things helped me. I began to do long distance running that really helped. I think any kind of sport where um, you have just quiet time in your head, any kind of physical activity, it doesn't have to be a sport, it can be walking. It could be, um, you know, that you're um, like, uh, some people like go kayaking, whatever it is, just so you have some time to clear your mind and to have some time alone. And so running was perfect for me. Awesome. Um, yeah, it's meditative. It it's really, meditative. yes. Yeah. And even like, oh my God, yeah. Um, you know, like my health background, I know with mental health and exercise obviously it's like 
hugely connected, but even the type of exercise that you do. So if you're having more like disassociation from your body and sometimes, you know, if you're feeling mentally disassociated because of everything going on, that can traumatize you to feel like physically not in your body. So doing more like exercises where you're touching like yoga and you're moving your body, you're touching the floor and you're feeling the ground and you're really like the tact, you know, all the tactical things and you're focusing on that. Even when you're running and just noticing how your foot hits the pavement that grounds you physically and brings you back to like, you know, your, your setting and brings you back into Mm -hmm. your body. So that's another, like, there's a lot of evidence behind it. So it's absolutely true. It's like very, very, it's a very good point. Like, um, both Pilates and yoga are really good about that. Like centering your, your, your space, knowing, grounding yourself, knowing who you are, No, this is my arm or I'm telling my leg to do this. I'm telling my body to do this. And we're, you know, we're, I'm in partnership with my body. Um, and, and knowing also like how to disconnect yourself from your thoughts, knowing how to disconnect. Mm-hmm. So also like yourself from your emotions so that you can actually see your emotion and you're, you know, that it's temporary, you know, it's going to pass by, but there's this indestructible part of yourself. There's this like resilient part of yourself. That's always going to be there past that temporary sadness or past that temporary block or confusion that you may feel that really helped me. Um, and that, and that, I, you know, I really experienced that in, um, cycling, like indoor cycling really helped for me to understand like, oh, like, uh, like when they say like mind over body, like that's real. It is. Like you can get your body to do all kinds of crazy stuff when you tell your oh, mind. Yeah. Oh yeah. You know? I had a, um, college professor uh, who would always say, cause we had to take like a physical activity class and he was like, your mind gives up before your body does. And that's a hundred percent true. I mean, we have the ability to, you know, what adrenaline, like carry a a car with adrenaline rush and whatever. So like your your body is definitely capable way more things than your mind. Your mind is the first one to tell you you can't. And you're so much stronger than you think you are. And, and I think that for me, that really helped just to be able to have a really good internal dialogue with myself to help with my self-worth so that I understood like, I'm actually the bomb. Like you're, you know, yeah. like I'm actually having a party in here. So if you want to join my party, you can, but you're, it's okay if you don't join my party, I'm still going to have one, you know, yes. like just understanding that like you have a lot of like dynamic beauty about you because it's pretty amazing that you're breathing and walking and talking and in existence like that in and of itself is a, yeah. a really big miracle. So I, I will say that um, like long distance running and the cycling really helped. Going to therapy really helped. For me too, having a spiritual regiment really helped. So I used to fast on Mondays and Thursdays um, to help ground and center me. I um, used to also, uh, you know, uh, pray in the middle of the night. That really helped because that helped focus and meditate and relax my body and made me feel really powerful and close and connected to the that resilient part of myself that I was talking about like the part that's indestructible the part that I believe is like the soul um and that yeah. it will out will outlive the body so that helped too um I call it the trifecta of uh of self-knowledge and self-love so at the very top is that spiritual rejuvenation and whatever way you know works with you and then in the two corners of the triangle like it's like it's like an actual triangle I can't do it with both my hands <laughs> Um, but in the other corner, it's mental health, um, and, and working with mental health experts. And in the other corner, it's diet and exercise. So 
I actually yeah. also went on this like pretty amazing cleanse. Uh, and of course, I don't recommend anybody do anything without having a physician, you know, monitor you and or, you know, a dietitian or a nutritionist like yes, come talk to, me. to help. <laughs> yes, to help you through the process. Um, but I and I did I had both um, I had a, a really fantastic uh, primary care physician who worked with a dietitian who helped me just like I had some kind of weird symptoms in my body. They thought I had an autoimmune disorder, but my acupuncturist and I started going to acupuncture during this time too. And she was like, you have all this like really like a pent up sadness, no. you know, it was all this grief. So she like hit a point because I wasn't also, I couldn't even admit some of the abuse that happened and it was like shameful to me. And so I realized like through the process of acupuncture, releasing grief through the process of cleansing my body by eating foods that were like lots of leafy greens and like grass fed animals and, you know, um, seaweed things that had iodine in them things that kind of and algae and all of that stuff you got it my friend so I started um that kind of diet diet and that kind of regimen and it really just helped me come to terms with what happened and one of the most powerful things I actually did with my therapist was something called EDMR light therapy which um, helps and they don't really understand why it yeah, works because the I've brain is incredible and I've heard like mixed things from my friends who are therapists and stuff about yeah. the efficacy of some people anecdotally it seems to help people but do you want to explain a yes. little bit sorry I didn't mean yeah sure was... of course so EDMR was a therapy as a light therapy that was developed really to help with PTSD people who had post-traumatic stress disorder um, and it is a tra- it's a it's a process of tracking a light while verbally speaking about the traumatic event. So revisiting the traumatic event, but also tracking a light while you speak about it. And I, I do know that it's hit or miss. It's not, it doesn't work for everybody, but for me, I I mean, it was so powerful. Um, it really helped me. And I was so astonished to be able to like speak out loud about the stuff that happened and then just like leave it in the past. It was great. It was like, I dropped off you know, a bag. Um, it's like I dropped off the bag and I just looked back and I just said, bye. Like I'm, I'm better now. Like you served your purpose. Like you happened for a purpose and now I'm going to learn and grow from this and I'm going to be a more compassionate person. And I'm going to, um, I'm going to take these tools and I'm going to help other people with them, you know, as much as I can. That's what EDMR help definitely helped me do. And, um, it does, it doesn't work for everybody. So I just think that if you have had uh, past trauma, it's something that's worth looking into. And there are people who are specialized in, um, administrating it because it requires special training for certain therapists. Amazing. Awesome. This is, yeah. Also like you're my new best friend. I love you. She's our hero. Just like how Thank far you. you've I was come. Like, I, was, I was like, I just want to be friends Thank with you. you. Thank um, you. Yeah. Speaking of um, helping other people, we have a segment called Fifty Shades of Brown, yeah. where our guests answer um, dating questions from people who submit them. Um, so, are you ready to? Yes, I'm so excited. It's like my favorite part of your segment. Yes. Woo woo. Let's do it. It's just so funny because I, um, after talking to you, I was like, I have a list. I know. Of Can we just like pick your brain? <laughs> Of course. Uh, um, but our once someone wrote in and said, um, I have recently started dating someone who is divorced. What should I know about dating a divorced person? Is there anything specific in terms of yeah. trauma, et cetera? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, I really think it's very important for anybody who's gone through a divorce and you're like, you know, dating them or whatever, is to just ask them, like, have you had time to heal? Mm-hmm. 
Have you had a proper um, healing regimen? What did you do? Uh, how did you deal and process what has happened? And if they, you know, I would just say also like allow them space to be honest and just say like, I'm not trying to judge you. I just want to know like, you know, if you're in the process right now of like figuring it out, that's okay too. But I need to know because I need to know what I'm, you know, signing up for. Mm -hmm. So I just think that sometimes um, some people will float from divorce to divorce and nothing changes. You know, um, they'll go from my ex got remarried in two weeks. What? So, oh my God. Yeah. Whoa, what? And had lots of issues but you know whatever I wish peace for them I wish peace for me were you know different different and separate for a reason um but I I just think that like you know when you when you have somebody uh who is divorced just ask them like what they did to heal and ask about therapy a lot of them I would say like a lot of the divorcees know that they need to go to therapy but sometimes it's hard to do. Sometimes it's there's financial considerations or sometimes there's family considerations. They don't want to be called crazy, whatever it might be. And so I just, I would just caution you to try to make it less taboo and less of a, a negative thing uh, to seek a mental health professional to help them. And if they say, I went to therapy, like be like, what kind of mental health professional did you go to? Like try to just ask like in a, in yeah. a, a kind way because sometimes people will go to like, their local um, spiritual, you know, authority, and they're not trained to actually give you the proper mental health um, help that you really need to process what's happened. So just make sure that they're going to a mental health professional. If they haven't, I would tell you, like, tread very cautiously and just say, hey, like, probably before we talk, like, I really would recommend that you do that um, before we enter into, like, a deeper phase of our relationship. Can you agree to please get the help that you need? And I also feel like um, this goes for anyone who's been out of any relationship. No ma- like, I know sometimes people get out of relationships that are even, like, pretty short, but they had, like, some emotional impact or yeah. something that, like, really tied them to that person. So I think it's, like, just a general rule of dating that if you are looking for something serious, like, for example, I'm not right now. So yeah. I don't, I'm not, su- like, I'm more invested in healing myself. Sure. But I'm not really invested in like knowing too much about someone else right now. But right. I'm honest right. about all what of my what your expectations are. Right. Like, yeah. So right. I think like the other thing is like divorce or not. Like if someone's out of a relationship, if someone's out of anything that like caused them some sort of pain, yeah. like definitely ask how where their hearts at, where their heads at, because I think that's like so key and I always forget to do that yeah and what their expectations are that's a very good point Amama because some people maybe came came out of the divorce and they're like I don't want to commit again I'm not interested in getting married again right and so you don't want to be with that person if that's what you want if it's just dating it's just dating no big deal do you talk about it in the beginning? Because sometimes it's like, it's tricky, yeah. right? You don't know. It if is. You're bringing it up too soon. Are they going to think you're weird? But you just want to put your intentions out there so you don't, you know, waste your time in theirs. I completely agree with you. And I actually have a rule of thumb in just everyone that I've helped, which is a three-month rule. And what I mean by that is like, I think within three months of dating someone and getting to know them, you will realize whether or not you have an emotional connection with them and want to go to to a deeper dive with them. And so I always say at three months is when you should talk about things like, what's your intention of like commitment? I would call the commitment timeline. Like, what do you really want? And then start asking some deeper questions, um, which I will include in my workbook, about compatibility. Um, some people can ask those questions earlier. Some people feel comfortable asking those questions earlier. But I just say three-month mark is should be kind of a 
bit of a cutoff for you because you don't want to waste a lot of time, uh, I think, beyond that without being really clear about what your intentions are and what your expectations are. Because some people can feel really comfortable mentioning that in the beginning, all power to you. If you want to do that, that's fine. But if you just are like having fun and like figuring things out and seeing how you feel about somebody, that's fine. And then, but I just think that by the three month mark, you have to start asking some deeper questions and you need to be sharing um, your expectations of commitment. I like that. I think that makes sense. Yeah. I think it does. I think, um, I, I think it's easier in a way with Arab and Muslim guys because there's already that expectation that culturally like that we don't just date to date. But then, you know, when you're kind of venturing out and you're meeting different types of people and it gets a little bit trickier, right? Because you're like, you're right. You're not, I don't know. It's not that same clear, like, this is why we see each other. Like, here's my dad's number. Like, no one's been asking for my dad's number. Let's. (laughs) Yep. Anyone asks. (laughs) Yeah. And And I I think Pakistani boys too. And they, and I'm Pakistani. It's like, they don't. Yeah. Even the Muslim and Arab guys I've dated now, actually, not even like, it's a different generation. So a lot of them aren't necessarily dating for commitment either. They're also like dating. They aren't. They're light on the commitment. And so it all depends on what you want. And again, it works if you guys align. Right. It doesn't work when you want something more than that. And I that's why I say the three-month mark should be kind of like, okay, have fun. But like not beyond three months if that's not what you want, you know? Um, and so I think that three months is, is what I also call like where emotional connections really build. And so what I mean by that is like at the three-month mark, you're going to either be like, I want this person's input in my life. I don't want this person's input mm-hmm. on my life at three months. You're like, I miss this guy. Or you're like, eh, I don't really miss him. <laughs> you know, yeah. um, I, if I saw him, I saw him, no big deal. Um, but I just, I do think that, um, that's, that should be enough time to figure those things out without wasting anyone's precious time. If they want something more. I think that makes sense. I, I think like that's that. a good, that's good advice. Um, oh man, you know, I'm, I'm going to be calling you up like, uh, privately yeah. asking you questions course, about every single person. <laughs> I want that workbook. I want that workbook. I know. I think, I think. So, okay. So I'm trying to um, write it uh, inshallah, 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 God willing, this month. And my hope is to have it out by March. That's the hope. Um, Yeah. So I've, um, I've written half of it. Um, And so I just need to write the other half. So that's why I've taken off all the other stuff. No social media, just doing this. Yeah. That's a, look at you. I would have been like, I have a deadline. Let me scroll through <laughs> hours of Twitter. And I know Instagram. you actually did the right <laughs> thing by removing that temptation altogether. So that's good. We I, waste so I knew much I time had to. <laughs> I yes, I waste so much time. I love Insta, you guys. It's for me. I I also need to just make sure I'm not even checking my Facebook because Facebook is kind of like an afterthought for me. Just like you know, like family stuff or whatever on Facebook. But I need to also stop checking that. Yeah. I need to I, just focus. Yeah. I like my new rule now for at least like Insta is like to not um, be so consumed with like posting content. Like I've been yeah. going on my own little uh, journey of just like how can I be as self-assured Good. and like however I want to be as possible. Good. And normally Good. I'd be sometimes like post something and be like, is this too crazy? And right. now I'm like, I don't care. Right. This just is put it right. out there. I am. Sometimes I'm a little crazy. Right. You know, just, this is something that uh, I like or this is something that exactly. I want. Yeah. That self-validation that's is so important without the yeah. likes 
or whatever the shares or whatever right. you're getting from other people. Yeah. I stopped. I stopped checking once I post something. I put my phone away for a few hours. So smart. So smart. Only because the only it's way that like, they my know mental how to get okay. us, guys. It, it was built and they designed do. this way, and uh, with a lot of so psychology and, and behind it and science and you know we're meant to get that dopamine hit and keep, they were designed to keep us addicted to this shit um so freaking yeah. true so freaking bah! true but um this has been so 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 insightful but we have one last segment yasmin would like yeah. to play with you called keeping sure. up with the caucasians i love it let's do it so this is a segment those caucasians yeah, go caucasians we're gonna see um we have different categories of things that you get to choose from and what we talk about whether you know we as people of color also do these things that white people are traditionally known to do okay so um okay. i'm gonna call out some um different categories so we have food slash beverage pop culture slash tv activities style slash clothes phrases or sayings and miscellaneous i'm gonna do activities Ooh, activities all right um have you ever gone camping <laughs> so white that is so <laughs> caucasian Hell we try no. to get out of camps, guys. We don't try to go in them. Exactly. We're trying to get out of refugee camps. So my parents tried so hard to be white and go camping one time. We got, it was in the middle of a hurricane and there were so many mosquitoes. My parents were like, la, la, la. Like, we're going to stay in the car. And we slept in the car for one day. And my dad was like, what is this camping these white people are talking about? And that was it. No, at least they tried, man. I've never tried. tried. I have no desire. Anyone who's, like, asked me about camping, I'm like, no, that's yeah. a nightmare. Do you understand how hard <laughs> okay. I had to work to have a roof over my head? <laughs> exactly. Um, I think... So I have gone camping several <gasps> times, but here's here's the reason. Okay, so I love rock climbing, which is another white. Oh my god! So Did white. I add that to the that list? That's so Caucasian. Oh, rock climbing. I think that's on the list, Amama. Okay, is- if not, I'm you adding. You know how it is. You know how it is because you know they why? like all it's- things that are dangerous to kill you. No. Yeah. Okay. So the reason I love it is because when I was going through like a really intense time, I every time I would let go of the wall. Like you, you have to like let go, and it kind of like taught me how to do it, and just like oh, to let go and to fall. And every time I would get really exactly, every time I'd be really sad. I would like be like, let me go climbing. But eventually, I went to the Grand Canyon with two white girls, and they were like, let's go camping. And here's my thing about camping. I don't love it. (laughs) That's all we needed to know. But you did it. Okay. You did it. Yeah, you did it, I but did it, it's yeah. because those two Caucasian women forced you, is what I heard. Exactly. And okay. I was like, guys, this is uncomfortable, but they're like, we're in nature. And I was like, I'm always in nature. <laughs> we have to stop this. So I don't love oh my it. God. I don't love camping. I, love I used to, I think when I convinced myself the first time, I was like, all right, I did it. And then the second time, I was like, this is the worst thing I've ever done. <laughs> Again. Just like the no bathroom part is just, I yes, can't. Yes, the Why? bathroom. No food, running water? Gosh, no, no. That's For like what? a terrible Yuck. idea. Gross. 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 Well, Yasmin, this summer, Athir and I, I was like, Athir, come to the park with us, like me and my friends. And she was like, is there a bathroom? Oh, yeah, that's the first thing I asked. I said, are we near the bathrooms? And then... And I said, there's a tree that I pee on. Oh, my and that's what God. I was like, and that was it. That was, was like, it for oh, her. She was like, no. I was like, I'm finding the bathroom. No, I made, now I made everyone move to the spot near the bathroom. Athir yeah. has to go pee, like, every five minutes. Oh, you know you why? Know you've seen me... On tour, I have nervous pee. Like when I get nervous, I'm about to go on stage. Nervous I pee, pee. like a million Got times. Got it. 
Okay, that makes but yeah, sense. Yeah, and probably have a small bladder. I should get that checked out. I'm, just, but no, when I perform, <laughs> it definitely I pee significant, like every two seconds. I'm like peeing. You're also like super skinny, like little indie mini. So of course you have a tiny little bladder. You just can't. Your <laughs> stomach, everything is yes. like. Doo, 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 doo. <laughs> My bladder can hold, like... <laughs> hold a lot. Okay. I believe you. I believe you. Don't you dare question my bladder. <laughs> she has a totally normal size yeah, yeah, bladder, it's totally, guys. It's totally fine, guys. Stop talking about my bladder. <laughs> I, was just, I was just noticing myself in this... In this uh, do you see you guys these scratches that I received? Oh, my God. This is my son. Oh, no. My son scratched me. That's how you know as a mom, you're like, oh, no, you got to, like, cut your nails. But can you imagine, mm -hmm. like, being out in the wild? Just, just thinking, like, like a scr bear scratching or something. Or, like, you know, or, like, being in a tent where my kids, like, scratch me. It looks like I got mauled by a bear. I'm not interested. <laughs> yeah, why, why no. go camping when you can be in the wild with two kids at home in the city? <laughs> exactly. This girl. I, look, honestly, the, the tents are uncomfortable. The first night, everyone's like, look at the stars. And I was like, I could have looked yeah, at the stars. And and let's eat exactly. canned beans and hot dogs. No, thank you. And Gross. tell ghost stories around a fire no. in the dark where someone might come I murder us. I do like us. the fire no. and the marshmallows. I can make s'mores in the microwave. Yeah. I'm good. Okay, no, no, no. I do. I will say that s'mores outside. No, it's nice. But remember, we did it at, the, yeah. at our show, our backyard show, in the pit. Yes. We had a fire pit, which is nice. Again, there was a bathroom it's 10 perfect. yards down. So that's true. <laughs> perfect. Give me a bathroom perfect, no. and I'll stay out no. all night with you guys in the woods, but I'm going home to sleep in my bed. I also need, yeah, I need a mattress. There's some things that are I need essential. a Tempur-Pedic like mattress. I need, my, I need my weighted blanket. I need, need my knee pillow. <laughs> I need my eye mask. I need my, I need my, okay. <laughs> my, what is it? Comfort animal? I yeah, need yeah. My... <laughs> so no, I'm okay, camping. Mama, would you go again? Um, I want I want to just go back to the Grand Canyon, but I want to like do it with someone um, who has money to put me in one of those nice like, like glamping, nice yeah, <laughs> a I cabin would would of some glamp. sort, yeah. maybe okay, or even like a uh, a trailer thing. I just don't. The RV. Last time we were outside, we were outside near ants, and I got bit a lot, <gasps> and I just don't want that. Oh my I'm god! Done. Why do they do this camping craziness? We were like in our, it was like, I was like 25. No. I was, thought it was like so cool. And now, mm -mm, you know, mm -mm. I would love now to go to the Grand adult. Canyon. You're an adult. But it, again, I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll have to figure out the whole bathroom situation. I'm really tied to where I go. I'm sorry. <laughs> I have peed Toilet in the, papers I, I hate to, I've peed in the ocean. Is that, is that <laughs> That's nature. totally fine. It's salty water. So do the fish. So do the fish. The fish exactly. are peeing. In that yeah. ocean. But I feel fun. better in the ocean than behind a tree where someone can come find me. Agreed. No one's going to no know that I'm peeing in the ocean. Until I Plus, like, the whole idea of water. Yeah, like, you're already I need in running water. You're water. already wet. You're in the water. Wet. Who if it's pee or algae? I can't believe we're talking about this, but yes. <laughs> exactly. Well, yes, me and um, this yeah. has been such an awesome, awesome uh, interview with you. And I, where can our listeners find you and all the awesome stuff that you've been doing? Yes, you can find me in February because I'm taking January off on Instagram. Insta at Yazguru is what they call me. Y-A-S-G-U-R-U. It's a stupid name, but it's fine. It works. My husband was like, hey, this domain's open. I was like, guru? Because some people used to call me that. So I love there it. it is. Yazguru. Thank you. I love that. You're yeah. my guru. You can, I love you guys. Um, you guys are the best. And then you can find me on YouTube. Yaz Laughs is all my comedy. Y-A-S-L-A-U-G-H-S. Yaz Laughs. And then you can find all my relationship stuff at Yazguru on YouTube amazing oh there's God, so much is, wealth I'm of material so excited. i'm excited um and you can follow you us at no fly list pod follow me at theory follow them theory and you can follow me at amama sardar and thank you so much Yay. thank Just you ladies that was great
Oh,